Taylor, it is officially interview season in the world of postgraduate training. And, you know, it's never too late to get some expert level tips. And this is definitely one of the most stressful seasons. Y'all have heard that from us before, but fortunately we are here to help. So from what we've seen so far, virtual interviews seem to be the most popular choice this year for programs. A lot of folks have been getting a virtual only interview offering. So be sure to check out our blog. We got a blog post about just virtual interviews on our website, and we've got some tips for crushing the virtual interview there. And don't forget to peruse some of our other episodes that pertain to interviewing. We will link all of those episodes in the show notes as well on different aspects of postgraduate pharmacy interview prep. Taylor, I am pumped about today's episode. Special thanks to one of our interns, Ansley Floyd, for helping us find today's guest. This is the first time we've had a non-pharmacist expert and, I'd like to say, author on the show. Yeah, and I I don't know if y'all are ready for this, but our guest is on a whole other level when it comes to experience with interview prep and interview technique, and he'll get it to interview science. Yeah, our guest today has experience in all aspects of hiring. As a talent leader and award-winning principal recruiter, he has experience as a job interview coach, how leader advisor, executive interviewer, and developed the Reap Rich interview science, which I'm excited to know more about. He has a national presence in media and speaking events. He's been featured on places like CBS Broadcasting, and he's had speaking engagements with places like Harvard. He's the author of multiple books, including The Interview Science and Cracking the Code to a Successful Interview, 15 Insider Secrets from a Top-Level Recruiter. So I want to welcome Evan Pillay to The Postgraduate Pharmacist. Honored to be here. Thank you both for having me. I'm very excited to share the time with you. So Evan, thinking of interviewing as a science, it's very intriguing to me and to our audience members as pharmacists and pharmacy students. We love the world and word of science. So you are right here at home when talking about this. I know Sean mentioned some of your many accomplishments, but could you just give our listeners maybe some brief details on your background in interview science and where you are now and how you got to where you are today? Most definitely. So I went to school to be a corporate psychologist and got, you know, the the National Honor Society and all the great things. And I did the postmaster's work and then all the jobs dried up. So I had to reinvent myself. I got very fortunate to get into recruiting at Oracle, became the number one recruiter at Oracle too. Very tough place. Everybody I started with, unfortunately, wasn't there after about five or six months. Very competitive. And so I won the best recruiter award and got three outstanding achievement awards. So that really caught my attention. I didn't think I'd be going down that path. I wanted to save the world, which is a good thing, but uh, it worked out amazingly well. So I became a C-level executive for three different tenures as a chief talent officer and as a chief operating officer. And I, as a COO, I was able to really take these practices and double net revenues in about 11 months after four years of flat growth in one company. And then I noticed scientifically all the things that the best inter, you know, best SVPs and CEOs and directors and whether we moved over into medical work, uh, even, you know, best doctors, they all had really 
eight conscious and unconscious areas that they needed answered uh, in their interview piece. So I began to write a book and uh, I self-published at first and it really caught some attention. And I spoke at MIT, the Innovation Center to a bunch of Harvard medical uh, doctors and, and students. And they were struggling to get out of uh, academia and to get their best jobs. So I actually had one gentleman come up in tears. Uh, he had been struggling so much. So I started to have lunch with all of them and realized that what I had, this science, you know, needed to be pushed out there. So I have Hal Leader now, which is a company that I run. And I do very specific job interview coaching with people, believe it or not, from the top high schools. I have students from Phillips Exeter Academy, uh, you know, the top private schools. Also helped a woman who went to Harvard. I've helped many from Harvard, but one who did all the right things in her life and graduated and couldn't get a job. And uh, I coached her and she got a job with McKenzie. And then they called her with the offer before she got home from the third interview. So a lot of what I've done is to create distinction, get people to have a presence and be able to really make an impact. And so I love doing the coaching. I actually coach a lot of um, executives and students from top families, some of the most successful in the world, really to help their kids and them get to that best opportunity. They've done everything right in life, but the interview is almost as scary as public speaking. And many of them before they got to me had failed in that interview and not gotten that best spot. Lastly, I help a lot of CEOs in the unicorn space grow their companies. A lot of what I've done too is knowing how to attract talent, how to really go on the interview science side of evaluating talent. So it's the how leader focus is really a quasi focus. And I'll sometimes take on a company for a year or three or four years to help them break records. So that's a little bit about me. <laughs> that is, that's incredible. And uh, I think if our listeners didn't believe us before, I think they do now that we've got the best man for the job to talk about interviewing today. So I'm excited to get into these questions. Yeah, that just blew my resume out of the water. <laughs> out of the water. Excited to have you. So we're going to jump right into our questions. Uh, the first question is this thing you created, uh, which is the REAP RICH acronym. So what does REAP RICH stand for and how is it used in interview science? Most definitely. So the first word is results. The second word is energy. The third word is attitude. The fourth word is process. And so we start with the first four steps, then we get to the second four steps. So with results, everybody has results. But the thing is, people don't know how to quantify them. And most people like you guys with your incredible backgrounds, you didn't just end up at really one of the best schools in the world for what you're doing. You worked hard, you know, you achieved some things, but so many people in their interviews and in their resume do not put their results in the proper place and they don't sell their results. So the first part of the science is that anybody anywhere on the planet that interviews you for anything, their biggest fear is, are they going to win or are they going to fail if I hire them? So the results are really a collection of a scientific piece as far as, you know, a lot of people say, oh, well, I was a financial analyst or I was in pharmacy and I've done these things, but how do I quantify it? 
The book and my coaching really helps people get their results list and deliver it. It's very similar how I delivered the intro about me. Many people in the interview, I could have delivered an intro and said, yeah, guys, you know, I've been in recruiting for 24 years, wrote a book, love meeting people, but a lot of great relationships. That would have sounded nice. But it would have, wouldn't have been actual and it wouldn't have blown people away. And so many people are talking about their skills or they're generalizing. And these hiring managers have a fear. Most don't know how to interview. So normally they'd spend an hour, hour and a half trying to just get the first part of what you deliver going on the proactive and the interview side. So results and energy. Sometimes when we go in an interview, one of the key things is that we are just another interview and they've had 10 interviews in the last two days. And every person that's come in has said, oh, hey, Taylor, how are you? I'm excited to be here. And, uh, you know, this and they're at a very level tone. They're kind. They're delivering fine. Right. But they don't come in and impact and they don't energize the room. They don't wake people up. So the second letter E is energy. If you don't wake someone up in the interview with your results and with your energy and your delivery, they're going to be thinking about the date they have that night, (laughs) their plans for the weekend, about doing their laundry, or about the final that they have to study for if they're maybe they're in graduate school or doing different things. So you have got to be an impact player. And this goes for business. This goes for medicine. You know, if, if a doctor's done 12 interviews and that's not their forte, some of them probably just want to go lie down and go to sleep after 12 interviews. You want to be that interview that they remember with energy, but with results. So quantifying results, we take six to 10 results We deliver them very quickly. So like an example in my case, I would say I was number one recruiter at Oracle and I won the the Outstanding Achievement Award three times. I broke the all-time hiring record twice. I did the same thing at Siebel Systems. I became the most productive and highest earning chief operating officer at the youngest age in my whole group within technology. So I would even say it louder than that and with more enthusiasm. Because we want to blow people away. Once they realize we're there and they're paying attention and they're in that moment, then they're going to listen to everything else we say. Same with the resume. A lot of people have these boring bullets. Oh, here's my skill. This is what I did. No, if, if it's competitive, what differentiates you from every person that I'm going to speak to for this role? Sometimes people get a thousand resumes. So repriches, results, energy, attitude, processes, relationships, interview them, close them, which is where you ask for the job, and then humanity. Well, I've loved so far when you said about the energy, because we come from a profession where that's not like a standard part of what we do. Like we don't talk a whole lot about, you need to be energetic when you're talking to a patient, you need to enthusiasm. So our population of pharmacists are usually the ones that when we're going into interviews, we are that very monotone, very calm and and don't do that. So I just loved what you were saying there that we try to preach that all the time. When you get your foot in the door, make them remember you. Most definitely. And the results piece becomes a psychological conversation with people, even in an email, often in a follow-up or in an introduction where you're trying to get attention and differentiate yourself. A lot of what I do is teach people, okay, so what are your results? What's great about you? And how are we going to bring that forward with energy in a way that's going to blow people away and get their attention? Because if you do that and you get someone energized, 
you also relieve a fear for them. Think about if, if you're in monotone environments all day long and someone comes in with energy. I've had managers hire people based on their energy that didn't know my science uh, just because they said they have so much enthusiasm. And I don't mean like slippery, salesy enthusiasm. I mean polished passion, right? Because you guys and what you do, you're really in a, in a doctorate sense, right? So you have to be very polished, precise, but you can be polished and precise and still be an incredible speaker. And, and it really becomes fun to become that. So absolutely energy, <laughs> results and energy. From a results standpoint, we're quantifying and we're answering that first unconscious question of, will this person achieve for me or are they going to fail? Once we handle that and that question is gone, both unconsciously and consciously, they become open for the next question. So it's very important. Results, energy, attitude. You have to be very careful in your interview. Sometimes they'll say, oh, I know professor such and such. Oh my God, that person was a jerk. You know, they gave me a B on this and then they would fall asleep and snore during our tests. And unfortunately, you can never say, oh yeah, all my friends, we chuckle about that and I dislike them and they insulted this person. You have to say, oh yeah, oh, okay, great, great. That's, you know, attitude is so key because if you develop a negative attitude or if you start talking about your recent breakup or uh, events in the world, the interview is your time to be focused on the interview and you need to impact there. So we can't go into any negativity. And if you do remember, you've got often an inexperienced interview. They may be an expert in pharmacy or medical, but if you say something negative, sometimes people will grab onto the negative because they want to, they want to be right. They want to be knowledgeable. And they say, they said something negative. They talked about such and such. Oh, they couldn't be a fit here. And what does that do? It makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel exact. So we have to direct the exactness and direct both the unconscious and conscious conversation. What I will also say is that beyond attitude is processes. We can overperform and do great, but I've, I've had people that had great performance early on when I was at Oracle and Siebel Gwynn, and I was like, this person's going to get the job. Oh, I can't wait. And the SVP would come out after and say, Evan, I loved everything they've done. They've broken every record, but I'm not going to hire them. And I'd say, why? What do you mean you're not going to hire them? And they'd say, because I don't know how they got to their results. I don't know if they begged, cheated, barred, and stealed, or manipulated. Like, I don't understand anything about their processes, about how they achieved. So people, if they understand we've got incredible results and we can sow a string throughout our life, if we bring energy so we wake up the room, we have a wonderful attitude with no negativity, then the processes piece is really about, so I would get up earlier, I would look at my notes, my professor's notes, I would study harder, compare everything, I would ask questions two days before my tests. I also develop a studying way that was this, this, and this. And I did these four things that may be better than my peers or better than everyone else in my job. I also developed this way of studying or I developed this process. So if they understand your processes, they're going to feel what we call sensory acuity scientifically. They're going to feel close to you. They're going to feel familiar with you. And if, if they use the same studying mechanism that you use, then you would say, they might say, oh, yeah, I used that too. That was so helpful for me in graduate school. 
Or if you developed a process that they haven't thought of, they will say, geez, I never realized that was uh, available to me. Could you tell the team about that? I want to bring that into our world. So once again, acuity, familiarity on how you got to the results. People have fear sometimes if they hear something too good to be true, right? And we, our results that we give, we're not spinning. They're actual, they're honest. We have to always be authentic because people can feel and sense those things if we're not. So that's half of Reap Rich. Really enjoy, appreciate the the energy part of it. And like Sean mentioned previously, we tend to be the profession that's a little bit more serious and kind of thinking about maybe some of the potential candidates and applicants out there who may be naturally more introverted. Do you have any tips for them to bring that energy? Great question. Such an important question too. And remember, these are the offensive parts of your interview. You're going to get asked questions. You're going to need to react. And so I bring people, especially in my practice, through two to three sessions of practicing bringing the energy out of them and learning how to not just bring it out of them, but move their set point forward so they're living in that energy and their confidence becomes stronger. So one of the ways, one of the most simple ways is to look in the mirror all alone and read your results statement. First, monotone. I'm Evan Paulette. I did this. I did this. And then you up the energy and you keep upping it. But what you do is you go way past what would be normal. So in an interview, uh, you wouldn't do this, but I would say, how are you? I'm Evan Paulette. I was at Oracle and I, you know, you get so much enthusiasm, maybe even stand up so you're not comfortable. And while you're doing it, you look to smile too, because that brings energy, but it also makes us uncomfortable. So deliver with all this passion and smile. And if you get nervous and your face shakes, it's just going to be you in that mirror. But what will then happen if you do that three, four, five, six times, even if it's only for five minutes apiece, guess what? You will start communicating that way and it'll be much easier to access that part of yourself without nerves. If you went right into an interview and tried to do the things of high energy, a lot of people, they start to shake and it's, you know, they're not used to that way of being. I want to say too, is that a lot of people have fear. Fear and anxiety run people, you know, and even medical science, right? And, and you guys in, in the field you're in with depression, some people have anxiety simply because they have untreated depression. However, there's exercises that a lot of people don't know about that are very thorough and profound that I do with people to remove fear. Because once fear is removed and it's very, you know, if people have fear of other people's opinions, fear of failure, uh, fear of not getting what I want and fear of losing what I had. And that last one, there is, you know, the chance at this, the best job in the world, if I don't get this today or fear of failure or not getting what I want. So often all that fear consumes people before an interview and throughout their life. So one of the biggest things that we do from a paradigm standpoint, both in the book and in the coaching is teach people through exercises that they do with us and alone how to remove fear completely from their life. And it may, normally it goes from 95% of it's gone, the 5% remaining becomes a whisper. But we also do some writing exercises. It doesn't take that long. It might take 30 minutes of their time or an hour here and there. But once they get it out of themselves and see how fear is really false evidence appearing real, it's just same energy as happiness, as joy, 
It's just the mind wants to be right. It doesn't know how to quantify it. So those are the two ways that we get people into an energetic impact presence. I think this is like you're getting at this point that it's not just something you can sit down and do once and be ready to roll. This takes this takes time. When you were saying the processes part, it made me think of the the interviews I've had where I've been interviewing someone. You ask them this question, they give this answer, and then you're then asking them three or four follow up questions to try to get to like more uh, background to that answer, how they how they actually do that on a regular basis. And so it just made me think of that, how important it is to describe those processes throughout a question or just describe how you get to a place to give that background so they don't, there is no question on how, how do you do that or what's the meat around that, that answer that you just gave us? Most definitely. Thank you so much. And I've had people practice the exercises once in the mirror or just think about them and say, oh, I can do this. And then they send me a note or a letter and say, I read your book. I went in for an interview it was an absolutely different interview. So it really depends on where people are at. People's energy and delivery are different places. I want to go a little bit into relationships, which comes after processes. And I'm giving a lot and I'm going fast because I want people to understand the questions and the other questions behind the questions. The second biggest fear for someone hiring you is, and I want to let you, let's, it's around relationships. You, I want to let you guys guess it what the second biggest fear is. So I'm going to guess the fear of disappointing people or not living up to expectations. That's an excellent, excellent point. And that, it, that's really, that's the best answer I've, I've gotten. And, and it tells me too, that like you guys think about who's across the desk and the table from you and everything you do. And when I was talking about principles and practices before, right, we, it's really about how do we care about people? What kind of difference do we make? So not just what we get, but what I want to say in the relationships piece too, there's one more fear that's just beyond that one. And you that's a huge one for managers right there. And the one that is just beyond what you guys just shared, and people don't often think about this is, what if I hire someone and they don't get along with everybody? What if they're a jerk? What if they have a bad personality? In the olden days, it was like, just work, work, work. My father would go to work. He'd get up. He was the best chemical engineer. You know, you just did it, right? Nowadays, we care about environments. We care about culture. And we know that teams work better if they're happy together, right? So if you get a bad apple in the bunch, it can be toxic and spoil everything. So the joke that we say in very advanced recruiting is in relationships, can they play nicely with the other kids, right? Or is it? And some people are results oriented, they're process oriented, they have great energy and they'll present positively. But when it comes to relationships, they churn and burn them or they're passive aggressive or they upset people. And we don't know that till you get down the path. Many people do backdoor references, which are illegal. So don't ever do them in email on people. But the reason I say that is hiring managers to be convinced they need to know two things around relationships. And no one's perfect. We're all students in relationship, right? We're all learning about the one with ourselves and with others. It's, you know, if we're not growing in it and committed to it, then that's the only thing that we're guilty of if we're not trying to learn from our failures and our challenges. But they need to know first, can you keep a long-term relationship? Like, can you have some sort of long-term credibility with someone? And second, 
Can you make a new relationship? Can you talk to someone in such a way that will either attract them or help them build confidence in you? So within a sentence to a sentence and a half, give three long-term relationships. And I'm going to be the interviewee for a second and say, well, guys, you know, as you know, I'm excited to be here. So I have eight relationships at Harvard Medical School and also four at Harvard in research that I feel we could combine with the research you guys are trying to do at the graduate level. I also have four in the clinical trial space that has access into information that's that's really never released. So I know I could bring those to our team. Second, I build relationships in a way that I really stop and listen to people. I look for the excellence and expertise that they're sharing. I look to clear my mind when they're speaking. So I'm really just listening to them. And when I answer, I speak to their greatness so we can make a connection first. And then I look to then build rapport and lead them from there. We have to convince both consciously as I speak to you and unconsciously alleviate the fear that I can keep long-term ones. And I had one guy that was a great VP from one of the companies. He was very successful. Uh, I went to another company and he came to me and wanted to get in. I brought his name up and you know what they said to me? He was one of the top guys. They said, yeah, he does great. He's got great results, but he burns bridges every single time, everywhere he is in different things. And so that's the relationships piece. I'm seeing the parallels. As you're talking in our space, I'm seeing all the, the parallels. A lot of our questions, a lot of the ones that throw our students off are these situational-based questions. They hit them with, the, tell us the time you didn't get along with a colleague. Tell us the time a, a physician didn't want to take one of your medication recommendations. They try to see those relationships through those questions, and our students struggle with answering it. Like, those are the most fearful questions. Because they worry like, what if I didn't have a situation like that? And it just reemphasizes the stuff that we try to prepare them for. And then your second part, that happens all the time where students try to embellish what they know. They may not think someone can weed it out, but these people who've been practicing for forever can quickly see it's like, oh, you know, I don't think they're telling us the truth or they they try to guess on this thing and they're going to do that in front of a real patient or they're going to do that to one of these providers they're with. And I don't want that person on or, or that person as a resident because they're going to just make it up and they're, they're going to dig themselves a hole and we're going to have to pull them out of it. So tons of parallels with what you're saying. Yes. I love that you guys do that. And you look to say, hey, are how are they going to be with others? And are they telling me the truth? Because if you don't know something, it's really important to either say, I don't know, or say, you know, I know part of that, but I don't know that fully from start to finish. And I'm not an expert, but I will tell you what I do know. I'll also tell you quickly, I've had three things that I didn't know. Here's how I close the gap to figure out how to know that. Or I'm really trying to learn in that area. And you guys seem like you're very experienced in that. Could you tell me a little bit about how you do that or how you would approach that? Because, you know, in the interview, I think that a lot of people now are, you know, used to be, if you don't do a perfect interview, you're out the door. But the, a lot of people now that are advanced have read things such as mindset. They've read different books and they want to know, have you struggled? Have you ever failed? And how did you pick yourself up after that? It doesn't mean that like, 
Oh, my struggle was, yeah, my pharmacy internship, I, you know, took all the drugs home. No, I'm, you know, we can all have a little humor in things. Or I knocked over four shelves and I still kept my job after that. No, you know, it's about, hey, I was going to be the best analytics person in the world. And I suddenly realized during college that that didn't interest me at all. And I went into pharmacy and here's, you know, how I went through that process with myself. Or I failed once in a lab. You know, I think it was... Jack Welch uh, with GE in his first year, he actually blew up a lab. Oh, wow. Something, <laughs> you know, uh, as an intern or as, you know, in a first year. So it's not the mistake, it's how we recover. And so the other thing to what you guys are saying, one of the things I do in the book and we do in guidance is how can you be able to still be on offense and answer questions like this that throw you off, right? And not be reactionary. And so it's not just about knowing these, it's about how to respond if someone throws you a curveball out of left field. And it does, it may be a relevant question. I had a, a COO once asked someone, he was from Europe, he said, Are you a beer and Porsche person or are you a Bentley and champagne person? This guy came out of that interview and said, he asked me this. I didn't know what the hell to say <laughs> to him. And so be honest when you get stumped, right? Just be straight. They may want to get personal. They may want to get close. They might ask something kind of silly or cocky. Unfortunately, you know, there are egos. Sometimes people get stuck in a little bit of arrogance. And so, but what you're talking about too brings us to interviewing them. People want to know that you have the courage to ask questions they do not want to get asked arrogant questions like, well, uh, Harvard's calling me and why should I be here with you guys today? <laughs> Tell me what's best about you. If you ask that question, you know, you might just want to take your stuff and go have something to eat because they're probably not going to hire you. Right? <laughs> um, they want to know that you're thinking of other things and you're competitive. But one of the biggest things nowadays is respect human kindness and respect. And it's becoming part of our world again, where it's civility is being insisted upon and should be right. But what I want to say is interviewing them, you want to be prepared with some questions that are intelligent, but you also, if, if their company's been great and they failed last quarter and some drug failed, you don't want to say, Hey, well, it looks good. And I'm glad you guys are here, but what happened last quarter? I mean, the stock dropped and that was a mess. And, it's nice to ask that, but you should be able to know that answer and do your own homework. You don't want to bring negativity into it. If you become friends with people down the path, which often happens, you can say, hey, what really did or is there more inside or you know, backdoor information I should know? But you want to ask things like this. So I would say to either of you, I would say, well, listen, you guys have a great background and an incredible schooling. You obviously chose this company and you've been here for five years. What makes you stay? Because you probably get different phone calls from people asking you to go. You know, what's great about this that I wouldn't see on the website? If you don't have the courage to ask questions, then guess what? If something goes wrong in the pharmacy or a customer has an issue, you won't have the courage to ask the question to get to the bottom of it or to help someone. You know, obviously listening and asking the appropriate questions. So another second question is, a lot of times, what can you share with me that I wouldn't see on the website? Validating the website, validating them and their backgrounds. You can compliment and validate people. So interview questions like, you know, I spell out some in the book, but I think that ask a positive question that opens them up 
and allows them to share more with you. Now, the second part of interview them is you want to know, do you have the job yet? Am I going to give you this job, right? You've done great. You've had great questions, both of you today, and, and you're right in step with me. But you want to know, is he thinking about hiring me? The second part of interviewing them is we actually begin to pre-close. Closing is the next step. So we ask a question such as, you know, if it looks like I'd be working for both of you in this pharmacy setting and, and you guys are also running the whole national chain, which I'm, I'm fine with that. But, you know, in the first three months, if you brought me aboard today and I got the offer, what kind of projects would you guys focus me on or what store would you have me turn around? Or, you know, what would be my entry point or what are the first three goals that you guys separately or together you'd want to see me do? Or another way is I've shared with you some of my strengths. I feel like we really have a connection on like what we believe in our values and what you guys are doing. Where would you see me as my first spot in the company today if I was to start with you? So the reason you ask that is you want to know, are they already visualizing you as an employee, right? Because 95% of our communication with ourselves is visual, right? We're seeing things, or I should say 75%, 20% is auditory and we're hearing things. If you guys answer to me, well, you know, we're talking to some other applicants. I need to think about it, which often comes that people don't want to reveal their cards, then I would ask a diagnostic question, which really comes partially from sales is, do you guys have any concerns or any areas of my background that I could expound more upon today that you feel that, you know, you weren't able to share with me that, you know, would help my candidacy? So people can ask you things, but there's limits on what you can ask people, right? You want to give people permission to share their concerns. And you guys might say, well, you know, you went to this school, but it just didn't seem like you excelled in your internships from an analytics standpoint. It seems like you're not as organized. You don't track things or you actually had a couple opinions on a couple drugs that, you know, you shared. And, and we don't like to be opinionated. You know, we just like to do what we think is best for the company. I don't know exactly how it works in, in the pharmacy world. And I'd be really forward to think that I do. But you want to know before you leave there if there's any concerns that they have. You don't want to walk out the door saying, did they like me? Did they not like me? And a lot of times, so two out of three times, if someone has a concern, well, I didn't see that you use this study thing or application related to pharmacy on your resume and it didn't come up today. And we really want everybody to have that type of analytics around the database. So many times they say, well, I thought this newer one was more advanced. I've had three years with that. I took that off my resume or I didn't put it on the new copy or I used something exactly like it and I've been able to use it. Uh, so I know I can learn this quickly. If you handle the objections, the fears, the concerns, then we move into closing. So closing is, this is the part where we joke a little about you're asking for the date. Depending on the space you're in, if you're in sales, you're going to do a hard close. If you're in business, you can do a much harder close. In this space, you want to let people know that you have the confidence in yourself and the way you've performed to ask for the job. And it will also sometimes shock people a little bit, blow them away. But people like a sense of confidence and authority. But remember, once again, not in an arrogant way. So what I would then say is, so, gentlemen, it's been great meeting with you today. I feel like we, you know, we've aligned on a lot of things. Do you see yourself giving me an offer to come aboard? Or if you want to do a really soft close is, 
do I have your vote to forward me on to the next step in the interview process? And who would that be with? So you want to get their commitment to next steps. If they still have concerns, then you can ask more questions. But the humanity piece, you may suddenly need to fill up 25 minutes of time or at least another 10 or 15. So you want to ask questions that are general, that are open-ended, that open them up. I've had people make the mistake at this point of they see a skier on their wall or they see this and they say, oh, my God, you're a badminton player. or That's great. Is that you? And they say, actually, no, that's Fred. He looks like me. I'm, this isn't my office. Uh, mine was I had to move over to Fred's. They were doing something in mine today. Or you're in a conference room. There's nothing on the wall to look at. So what I would say to you guys is I would say, hey, listen, it's busy in pharmacy school and everything you're doing. Like, what kind of things do you do to keep yourself energized and healthier? Do you have special interests that are important to you? So I, I bring you into your world and I get you to tell me about things. Now, the other place where people step on a landmine here is they make a mistake and they say, someone says, well, I'm an expert at volleyball or I'm an expert at skiing. And people often, they want to build rapport and they say, oh, I'm an expert too. Never, ever say you're an expert unless you're an expert. And even if you are, be humble. Say, I really enjoy skiing, too. I've skied here. I've skied there. Because you might trump them. You might have skied the five best mountains in the world, and they haven't gotten out of their state. You want to be humble. You want to be kind. This is just about creating more rapport and connection. It can really solidify your interview. And I'll close on the humanity piece with this is I had a woman get referred to Oracle and I loved Oracle. I was able to light up the world there and the stars lined up. I worked my heart out. I worked out. I outworked everybody. But and the manager, you say, oh, this place lit up for you. You know, I built all the SWAT teams. He said, but you work so hard. You know, I'd be the first one in and the last one to go. There's times in our life where that's how we have to participate. But I had a lovely woman come in that at that time was about my age. And she was a sweetheart. And she was actually referred to me. When you get at Oracle, everybody starts saying, can you get my friend in there? And, you know, and so she came in, just a lovely person. And she was doing well. This is before I wrote the books and she was walking across the carpet and she tripped in her high heels and she went right over and she fell flat on her face right in the middle of the hallway in front of everything and everybody. Now, Oracle, God love them, very unforgiving place. They're competitive. They want you to win. She was so flustered and I whisked her away to the side room and I gave her these steps within about seven to eight minutes she went back in with the toughest people in the world there. And one of the guys was a guy who built all the SWAT teams for Oracle. And he owned the top 400 of Golden accounts then. He was a brilliant man. And he came out and he said, and I figured he'd come out and be like, yeah, she tried, you know, but Evan, you know, you got to be less nervous and confident enough to not fall flat on your face. I thought he'd be giving me a hard time for months about that. He came out of that meeting and he said, yeah, I'm going to hire her. Let's get an offer put together. She was amazing. They completely forgot about her tripping and falling flat on her face. She absolutely overcame that whole thing. So it's, once again, if you can impact and awaken and an emotionally move people and you're coming from truth and you can build the confidence in them, then they're going to say yes. But what questions do you have? 
Well, so you went deep, but you answered all of our other questions in one way or the other. Like we didn't realize the 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 reap rich would get into those other components and they did. So the questions we had planned, I mean, you answered them. And throughout the whole thing, we were seeing those parallels and it really gels. Like what all the stuff you're saying, these students have heard in maybe little snips or or we've given as advice, but like having it all in the framework. You know, we don't we don't usually do that. They get it in these pieces and whatnot. The only piece that they they wouldn't get is the close. And that's just because the way they go through the process, it's uh, it's based on this algorithm and you you rank your candidates and you can't actually close. But that piece is really important for when they're done with their residency, because then it is a handshake. We, you know, we want you on the job and, and we want to get you. And honestly, they lose that. They really lose that. Uh, part of it because they're so used to, I go and I interview and then I say which ones I want and they say if they want me and it all happens behind the scenes and then I match with the program and I never get the, I never know how to do that. So when they actually go out of residency to get a job, they don't do any closing. I was just going to say you took your own advice and implemented the own th the thing that you came up with and gave us all the information we needed without us having to ask the question. So what we would love is, it, do you have any last minute tips or advice for our listeners? Like any kind of your your biggest closing take home points that you would want to leave them with? Most definitely. Biggest closing take home point is at the end of every interview, whether it's for an internship, whether you're working at Dunkin' Donuts uh, while you're in college to pay for things. Also to your biggest closing point is also your results because keep in mind the results, you may meet someone on an elevator and you may need to sell yourself to them. You've got to have your results and then your ability to ask, could I have coffee with you after they smile and say, wow, what a great background. Could we have coffee so I could tell you more about myself? So two things about close. One, recapture what you've done, revalidate and validate the time you've had together then ask the question. Every time we build confidence and we reemphasize what's good. So if you're nervous about closing, just simply give a compliment first. Say, geez, we've, we've talked about some things today that I feel like we really agree upon our philosophies and styles. And I could add some value there. Uh, do, you, do you see yourself moving me to the next step in the role? And so for the people that aren't in the residency, that might be an easier close to ask. Um, could I follow up with you tomorrow about, you know, next steps or when do you see the next interview happening? Or, you know, is there a date I can follow up from an exactness standpoint about your decision here? Can I send you an email in two days? I really want to know where I stand. Do you promise to send me any concerns or questions you have in email if I send you an email after this so that I can address them because I really want to be part of your team? You want to keep engaged. You want to keep the dialogue going. Those are light closes. The next one, though, is that I really have enjoyed our time today. There's many internships out there. I want to be in the best one, and that's what you have to offer. And I can see you're here with this company because you are the best. Do you see yourself and are you excited about bringing me forward as a member of that team? I really love what you shared about yourself and what matters to you and about why you're in this field and why you chose the school you did your residency and why you chose to work for CVS all these years or whatever company you've chosen. Do you see me as a fit based on the values I've shared with you? 
to be the, on the same career path. And if I came aboard with you, would you watch over my career and my different steps? So people like to watch over those they like that they're going to put their stamp on. Everybody likes to mentor and help. So you want to, as you think about the responses I just gave, you want to know, you know, what environment you're in. And sometimes you'll be interviewing with someone that's at your alma mater. They were there, obviously. And, you know, but you don't want to emphasize, you want to talk about that. And that's part of your commonality. But you don't want to just sit within that. You want your commonality to be, I've impacted you today. I've impressed you. And so so the close piece is key. And I just will say that um, part of your closing too, if you know your results, you can rattle off three out of your eight results in your close and say, as you know, I was number one recruiter for Oracle. I broke the all-time hiring record, but I was able to do that with three of the top unicorns as well, as you know, that didn't have the structure that Oracle did. And I built all these programs myself. So I know I could take on the challenge here and make a huge impact at every 30-day juncture. I'll increase your direct hires and the amount of money that's coming in through sales. Do you see yourself bringing me aboard to start next week? So you can bring a few of your results because you want to emphasize and reemphasize, reawaken, and then close. And if you say a confident statement before you ask a difficult question, it wins. Last thing with closing is after you've asked the tough question, even if it's in a gentle way, guess what? Don't say anything else. This isn't necessarily true, but in sales, when you ask for the sale, they say whoever talks first loses. Okay. In this, you want to be okay with sitting with the silence, even if you're burning up inside and you get tingles and anxiety, ask the question and wait for the answer. And you may, if you have confidence in dear friendships, like I do, the things in the mirror and the closing, it's also great to sit with two or three people close to you, even have three people looking you in the eyeball, practice closing, practice your delivery. And I want to say, if you're not getting nervous, if your face isn't getting red and you're not sweating, then you're not stretching to put your best self forward. This is about practice. So when we get in there, we can be our best. So find people that you trust and you can practice with. Well, that's all excellent advice. And it's been such a pleasure getting to hear more about the Reap Rich approach to interview science. Thank you, Evan, for being here today. We'll make sure to link your book in the notes section below the interview science and cracking the code to a successful interview 15 insider secrets from a top level recruiter. And Evan, thanks again for being here with us today. Sounds great. I love that. And also check out howleader.com if you want to hear about really from the top leaders in the world. And we're going to have some top medical people coming on there again very soon too. So I think you'll enjoy that. Honored to meet you guys. Hey, congrats on your commitment and your success. And I look forward to a long-term connection here. Thank you. Yeah, thank All you. Right. Thank you so much. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. You can listen to us for free on your favorite podcast app and check out our show notes below to see links and highlights of the episode. And remember, you can separate and stand out.